All right. <laughs> Just love that intro, right? Got to stand here in complete silence. To be honest, I was totally ready to deliver like a running commentary, but all I could <laughs> envision was that my voice would appear online over the video and Pastor Dan would be like, who is this woman? Why did we let her come preach at our church? So anyways, thank you, Nathan, for the introduction. Um, as he said, my name is Shannon. I'm here today with my husband, Al, my son, Nick. I also have a daughter, Emily, who is 20. She couldn't join us today. Um, but we've attended Sequoia Community Church for, I guess, a little over 20 years now. My husband and I both came to the Lord early in our marriage when I was 25. And uh, it's been a pretty exciting journey. I have to tell you, I never, ever anticipated that I would go to seminary. That was never on my radar. And... Uh, so it's kind of fun, and I love doing this kind of thing. I love connecting with God's people. appreciate that you guys are having me here today, and we're going to talk about one of the coolest things. I think everything's cool, but the coolest things, which is God's covenant, and it gets me thinking about other covenant relationships like marriage, right? And, and as Nathan said, I've been married for, well, just almost 23 years. It'll be 23 in October. And I got thinking back to, you know, how do we establish that covenant as human beings? Like, what does that marriage covenant look like? And I was thinking about when Al actually proposed to me, and he just loves the story, but he, uh, he, was, he was a little nervous. Let's just, let's just put it that way. And we were one of those couples where we had actually um, purchased the ring in advance. And so I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when. And uh, so anyways, it was Thanksgiving. And he says to me after dinner, hey, Shan, do you want to go for a walk? And I'm like, yeah, okay. And he's like, a walk. And taps his pocket where I can see the bulge of the ring box. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, subtle, babe, subtle. <laughs> so off we go. We go for a little walk. He finds this perfect rock, and he sits down. You know, I'm sitting on the rock, and he's kneeling, and he says all these beautiful things like, Shannon, you know, I just want to spend my life with you. And Shannon, you're so wonderful. And Shannon, will you marry me? And of course, I said, yes. And so we got up, and, and it's this moment of like, oh, my gosh, we're going to do this thing. Like, we're engaged. So we back down the street it wasn't a very far way to go and he's trying to think what do I tell my parents and so he says to me like what do I say like do I just walk in and say like mom dad like I asked Sharon to marry me and I said yeah and then just let them know Sharon said no but luckily I said yes <laughs> because my name is Shannon <laughs> so luckily there were no ex-girlfriends with the name Sharon <laughs> That could have gone downhill really quickly, but, but we were good. So today I'm going to be talking to you about a different kind of covenant, but it's not all that unlike a marriage covenant, and this is God's covenant with us. So why don't I just open us up in prayer? Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to meet together as your people. I pray that our hearts, our minds, our ears will be open to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to start by reading the first part of the passage. We're looking at Exodus 24 today. And so if you have your Bibles or your smartphones or however you like to read it, or you can read it up on the screen, we're just going to go through that. Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nabab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with them. 
So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. And so what we see here is that God is inviting his people into a covenant relationship. And I love that you guys are doing this series on Exodus. I think it's really cool that you're actually walking through the book or most of the book. Because sometimes when we arrive at a scripture, we kind of don't know what's come before it, so we don't really have a lot of context. But in this case, you guys have been journeying through that. And so you know that God has been revealing himself to his people. He's been doing amazing things. He has rescued them from slavery. He has brought them out of their bondage. And so they've been journeying with God and getting to know him. So I'm actually going to steal a verse, which wasn't in my assigned reading, but I think Pastor Dan will forgive me. And it's where God actually invites his people into this covenant. So in Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6, he says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So this is what he's directing to Moses to tell his people. And one of the things I want you guys to see here is that when they built this altar and they put 12 pillars, that represents the 12 tribes. And so that means that this covenant is for all of God's people. Okay, so no one is excluded. He's basically including everybody. And one of the things that he's done, of course, is he's, as I mentioned, he's revealed himself to the people as they've journeyed. He's, I mean, he's done amazing things, right? He's parted the sea. He's provided food for them. He's literally, like, sustained them and revealed himself before he invites them into this covenant. Because you kind of want to know, you know, what are you getting into? Who is this God that is asking me to commit? And again, it reminds me of marriage, because that is my passion, and, uh, and it's the area of ministry that we serve in at Sequoia. And so it got me thinking of this, essentially it's like this courtship, right? So if you think back to when you first got married or you first met your significant other, or for those of you who aren't there yet, you know, when that time will come, there's this time of getting to know each other. And I remember one of our early dates, Al loves my stories, one of my early dates, <laughs> He's a great guy. There's a reason we've been married 23 years, I promise. We went on this date, and it was amazing. And we're getting to know each other, and, you know, it's so nice. And we go back to uh, my house, and we're going to watch a movie together. And so he puts his arm around me. And, <sighs> and so we're sitting there, and, you know, I'm kind of cuddling, and I, I lean in, and I kind of rest my head against his sort of, you know, chest to be comfy. And he looks at me very serious, and he says, Shannon, I might as well tell you right now, I digest loudly. <laughs> <laughs> 
He was worried that I was going to hear his tummy grumbling and rolling after dinner. And so this was literally the moment that he announced to me. And I know it's kind of funny in these, I'm sure he's thinking like, seriously, Shan, there's not better stories. But I actually kind of love that. And I love these memories because this is all part of my journey in my marriage. And this is all part of, honestly, what contributed to me loving Al and committing to him. And so I think, you know, when the people of Israel look back at their journey with God, they likely saw these probably a little cooler moments maybe than a grumbling tummy, but he did feed them. So, you know, they look at these moments and they know who they're about to make a covenant to. But there's two parties, right? Like a covenant is not just like, I declare, it's I'm offering this and the other person has to accept, kind of like we did with our proposal. And so... Next, we see that his people actually affirm their commitment. And we see this twice. So in Exodus 24.3, which almost reminds me a bit of like a proposal, Moses comes and he says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. So in this case, he's just kind of come to them and verbally explained hey guys, like this is what's on the table, this is what the Lord is saying to us, and everybody's like, yep, we're in. But, you know, things with God, like a relationship with God, that's, that's a pretty serious thing, and it takes a little bit more, especially back in those times, than just that verbal affirmation. And so what we see next is that they actually took the time to do a very like ceremonial acknowledgement of this covenant. And this is where it goes on, and you see that you know he prepares the altar, and they prepare the sacrifices. And then in Exodus 24-7, it says... Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and we will be obedient. So it's kind of cool. Like I listen to that and I think kudos on being able to just affirm that commitment, right? And they seem so sure. Like I love that part. They even added the second time around. They're like, and we'll be obedient. Well, a spoiler alert for what comes ahead in the, in the uh, Bible. The Israelites have some issues. They're, they're going to have a few problems maintaining that. Um, doesn't go quite as smoothly as they would have hoped. But, you know, again, coming back to, like, marriage. A girlfriend of mine was married last weekend. And it's so awesome. Like, it's this beautiful moment of, of two people standing there and pledging their love to one another. And again, like... Nobody gets up there and says, you know, yeah, I hope it works out. We're going to do our best. Like, it's what happens happens, but it's, it's cool. Like, they get up there and they're like, you know, if you do the traditional vows, it's like in good times and in bad, in sickness and in death, you know, or in until death do us part. And it's like, you know, we're all in. And if people write their vows, you know, I hear these really beautiful things nowadays where people are like, I promise to be your rock. I promise to be your best friend. I will listen to your dreams and your desire. And I'm thinking, that's awesome. And I'm by no means suggesting we should change how we do marriages. Um, but having been married for almost 23 years, I think in fairness, my vows should have probably included like, I will be patient when you're chewing too loudly. I will put my phone down, even though the TikTok is really good when you want to talk to me. 
and I will try to put up with you breathing too loud. I mean, nobody gets married thinking like, I can't wait until I'm like, could you turn over and breathe the other way, please? <laughs> like, like, this is the reality of covenant relationship and commitment. I, I'm not alone in this, right? Like, I'm... <laughs> whew. So, like, it, it's hard, and commitment can be hard, and these covenant relationships can be hard, but they're so, so worth it. And I love that God first set that example for us, and so we can look at this covenant relationship and, and see not only is this covenant relationship worth it in a marriage, um, but with our God to be his people. And it's hard, but, you know, the great thing, and you guys have probably heard this said before, that there is a difference between a covenant which is what we're talking about today, and a contract, right? So a lot of the world these days, they're, they're focusing on relationships almost like they're a contract. Like, you meet my needs, I'll meet your needs. When that stops working, contract's over, okay? So this is not the kind of relationship God is bringing to us. He's bringing a covenant. It's not a 50-50, it's a 100-100. So I'm all in, you're all in. And this is so what God puts on the table. And so one thing I want to just highlight, so now we've looked at the first two things. We've looked at the fact that God's offered us a covenant and that the people respond with commitment. But a covenant is, it's, it's a corporate thing. So he is offering one covenant to all of his people. This is what he has put on the table for them. And so while the commitment is a personal response, Right? So we have a corporate covenant and we have a personal, I wish it started with a C because I love alliteration, but let's say an up close and personal relationship. So what that really means though is that we get to have a personal response, but we don't get to have like a personal arrangement. So the covenant, the relationship that I have with God, while it's going to be personal to me and look and feel different, the rules of it, or, or the law, or you know, the Bible, the word of God, is going to be the same as what you have. We don't get to have you know, one of those erasable Bibles, or I feel like every day, like things nowadays you get to pick and choose so much. Um, you know, there's not like options. Like people are like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally a Christian. I opted out of tithing though. Yeah, that just wasn't for me. Yeah, and, and yeah, no, I opted in for the peace and joy package. That, I liked that part of the Bible, so I'm gonna do that. So I just want you guys to really get that what he's offering is this covenant to not just his people back then, but to us today. And uh, his word was true then, his word is true now. But there is a cost. So we shouldn't take it lightly. You know, we couldn't have had this covenant without the cost. And in Exodus 24, 8, we see that Moses took the blood, he sprinkled it on the people, and he said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. So the covenant couldn't be put into place without that sacrifice, without the sacrificial, you know, of the, of the lamb. Well, it wasn't the lamb in that case, it was of the animals. Um, and what we see is that that blood had to be shed. And that probably feels weird for us because we don't really think about that these days, you know, like sacrificing animals and basins filled with blood and sprinkle half on the altar. Like I think if I had it opened with that today, you know, excuse me while I just sprinkle the blood. <laughs> you guys might've been like, woo, weird. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit. 
So that's not how we operate today. And one of the reasons for that is because what we see in the fulfillment in the New Testament, of course, is that Jesus was that perfect sacrifice, right? He paid that cost for us when he went to the cross. And so his blood was shed so that we can have that new covenant. And Matthew 26, 28, you won't have this on the screen, but it says, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so because of this, we too get to enter into the covenant relationship with God. And I realize everybody here is probably at different places in their journey. You know, some of you maybe have walked with God for many, many years. Maybe some of you are just checking it out. Maybe some of you guys are here because your parents say, hey, we do church on Sundays, that's what we do, but you're still figuring it out for yourself. And I just want to encourage you, you know, think about this. This is a good question to ask yourself. You know, how do I enter in this relationship? How do I accept what Christ did for me on the cross? And realizing that we're not just talking about something that happened, you know, thousands of years ago, though it did. It's relevant to our lives today. So I would never want you guys to just walk out of here going like, that was a cool history lesson. I had no idea that the Israelites, you know, they used like blood on the altar and sprinkled it on the people. I want you to say, hey, so what does this mean for me today? Because God's word is alive and it speaks to us. And it's not meant to just be interesting reading. You're not here just to get your weekly fix. You're here so that the Holy Spirit can speak to your heart. And I hope that you'll be open to that. And if you've never made that decision, if you've just never really accepted or realized that you could accept that invitation to know Christ, I hope that you would you know, speak to people here at the church you trust. Talk to me after the service. Talk to Pastor Nathan, Pastor Dan. You know, There's lots of people who can help you through that. But it's the best commitment. Sorry, babe, but you know, you're second. It's the best commitment you could possibly make. So it doesn't end there though, right? Like God doesn't just want us to pledge this allegiance. So I've come into a relationship. Yes, Lord. Okay, I, I surrender my life. I accept I can't do life without you. <sighs> the end. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want us to just show up here on Sundays and sit in our pews and say, wow, okay, good. I've made that relationship. I'm gonna come here and I'm gonna listen once in a while. There's more to it. There's more that God wants from this relationship. And I'm so glad. I mean, imagine a marriage. Imagine how boring that would be if like you say, I do, yay, and then that's it. Like you guys don't talk anymore. You just like kind of, you're beside each other, but like you don't really interact. You know, there's nothing, you know, no energy, no effort. It just doesn't make sense. And so it's the same with our relationship with God. God doesn't leave it there. He doesn't say, come, enter into a covenant with me. Give me your commitment. I've paid the cost. And then say, the end. So what we see, and I won't read this whole second part of the, of the um, scripture, but what we see is that this is followed by a call. So in Exodus 24, verse 12, then the Lord says to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and, and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. So this is so neat because now God is actually saying, okay, I want you to partner with me. Like there's things that we have to do here. 
I think it's so cool. Like, I think you could do a whole sermon on just this verse because first we see the fact that there's a part that God is doing because God says, I'm going to give you the tablets and I'm going to give you the law and the commandments, which I have written. So there's, there's work that God does. But then he says to Moses, no, but you are going to teach them. So then there's work that Moses does. And this applies to our lives as well. There's things that, you know, God is going to prepare for you to do. There's things that, you know, jokingly Nathan said, you know, that I'm the most qualified person here. Well, I'm not sure about that. Maybe some of you think, oh my gosh, I would never ever want to preach. Maybe others of you are thinking, she doesn't have a mask on, I am so jealous. But, you know, God has different jobs and assignments for all of us. And it's so important that we don't miss that. I love that um, Pastor Dan actually did a, a sermon on this a couple weeks ago. Of course, I wanted to get to know your church a bit. I wanted to understand what the culture was like before I came. So I thought, oh, that's easy. I'll just watch one of the sermons. And uh, first of all, he loves alliteration like I do. And so I love that. It's so much easier to remember, right? But anyways, he was preaching on the fact that he, um, you know, in terms of understanding God's call, you know, that God looked at your past and he looked at your personality and he looked at the presence of God in order to help you to discern what is that next step. And so I just want to really reiterate that for you guys. Like, this is an important part of this whole picture. Our relationship with God isn't supposed to be stagnant. It's not supposed to be something that we just keep tucked away to ourselves. It's something that we're actually supposed to live out that should be vibrant, that should be, you know, visual to people. I mean, I would hope that when you see Al and I, you would look and say, there's a connection there, that there's something going on. And I really hope you don't see that when you look at me with anybody else. But, you know, this is, you know, I want you guys to be living these vibrant lives, like following Christ, where people can look and see there is a difference. And that should be attractive to people. Like there's a verse in the Bible that says, always be ready to account for the joy that you have. And, you know, that's so much more than a bumper sticker, and it's so much more than the cross we put around our neck or, you know, whatever else it is. It should, it should literally be how we live out our faith in front of other people. That should be attractive to people. And the other thing I want you to see in this verse, it actually, we're kind of popping back to verse 1, but uh, it says, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron. So he's talking to Moses. Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. Just FYI, they don't teach us pronunciation in seminary. So if I got any of that wrong, forgive me. And 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with them. So here's the other neat part about when we're working out our call and what God wants us to do. You can see that some of that is in community, right? So first, Moses is to approach with some of his other people. So that's not unlike what we're doing here. We're together, we're coming near to hear the word of God. But then there's a part that Moses has to do on his own. And that's true for us too. That's the part you guys do on your own. When you leave here, when your Sunday is over, what is the part that you do on your own to draw closer to God, to hear from him? And I don't think God created any of us to exist outside of a church community. I think COVID has stolen a lot from us in terms of that. And for anyone listening online, I just want to put in a special like challenge to you guys because I get it. Our church is still online. If we meet at 1010, 
my alarm might go off at 10. I'm probably in the kitchen by 10.04, but I am on my couch ready to worship by 10.10. Could I do that if I was attending the church in person? No, and no one's gonna wanna see what that looks like anyways, that's for sure. So I get it. I get that right now in COVID, we're kind of like cocooning and we're becoming almost individualistic in that, um, you know, it's so much easier. It is easier for me to get up at 10 and roll down to the couch and sit with my, yes, four dogs. I always thought there was like crazy cat ladies. Now I think I'm a crazy dog lady. But, you know, that, there's, there's something attractive about that. But I'm going to challenge you guys that as the world opens up again, because I believe it will, um, you know, I'm kind of speaking to the, preaching to the choir here, because you guys are obviously physically here, but resist the urge to just make your faith a personal thing to the point that you're just worshiping at home. Don't listen to, you know, the, the lies that the enemy will tell you, but like, that's convenient. My gosh, look how easy that is. You can just flip on your TV, you can watch at home, super comfy, you know, you have a big screen, you can eat your breakfast at the same time, maybe fold your laundry. You know, we're going to resist that, because it's clear that there is a time and a place for corporate worship. And, you know, we see that way back when with the Israelites. And so I just want to encourage you guys that, you know, keep doing that. You know, keep uh, pushing towards that. Look for opportunities to serve together as the world opens up and as your church invites you to do so. But, but let's do that. Let's, let's do this together. So I noticed on your website when I was doing kind of my research, um, that you guys have no grow and show. And I love that, first of all, because of course it has a nice little rhyme to it and so easy to remember. But I hope you also see that this passage can almost be like your theme passage because it starts off with like knowing God and then growing in that commitment and then showing through the call. So literally this verse or this, this passage embodies the whole kind of raison d'etre, the reason for your church. And uh, I think that's so cool. But I think that sometimes we can know those things, like hopefully if I had have done little pop quizzes before and I would have said, hey, quick, what's your like church's sort of mission or vision? I hope people are like, uh, no grow show. You know, I know, I hope that you guys think that way. But sometimes we can know things and then we just don't ever take that extra step and like actually think about it. Like, okay, no grow show. I'm committed to this church. I'm committed to my faith. I know God. Am I growing? Huh. How do I grow? Well, I, I've got to get to church on Sundays. Uh, maybe there's a, a small group or a Bible study you guys do. Um, am I showing? Am I serving? Where am I digging in? Where am I? Where's the Lord calling me? How can I use my gifts? You know, I work as an IT manager. I never ever imagined that that was what I was going to do with my life. I actually like hate technology and computers. It's, <laughs> it's so true. And it was funny because I got into this job and then felt called to go to seminary and I was so happy because I'm like, yes, I hate my job. So, you know, I was like, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll do that for you, sure. So. Off I go to seminary, and I quit my job. I actually, and my parents were furious, because who quits a government job? That's like, you know, gold. And I'm like, no, God's called me. So I quit my job, and then darn it, before I'd even left, they were like, hey, there's computers in Alberta. Why don't you work from Alberta? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I could definitely do that. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, you're funny. You got me there. 
it's going to pay for my education, so we'll roll with it. But, but we're cool, right? When this is done, I'm working for you, giving you my life. This is the plan, right? Good. Okay, cool. Off I went to seminary, and I'm not going to lie, working was a challenge, but the money, like paying for our education was wonderful. And then my, my boss called me and said, Shannon, we have a promotion, and like we just think you'd be perfect for it. And I said, no, no, uh-uh because I'm going to serve the Lord. And they knew this. Like, I could use those terms. My, my call is to, I think I'm going to be a family pastor. I'm passionate about marriage. I'm passionate about parenting. Yeah, I, I know. And she goes, you don't even want to apply? And I'm like, no, no, thank you. And she's like, okay, fair enough. So the guy they were going to hire fell through. And now my education was done. I had graduated. We were just waiting to wrap up. And one day I'm ironing which I never iron, so it's really weird. But I'm ironing, and the Lord says to me, I want you to apply for that job. And first of all, I didn't think there was a job, because I didn't know I had fallen through yet. And second of all, I'm thinking, no, we had a plan. We had a plan, okay? <laughs> and so anyways, Al had been away on a business trip, and he comes home, and he goes, ah, I gotta tell you something crazy. I think you're actually supposed to try to get that promotion. And I'm like, no. <laughs> ah, yes, okay, yes, sure, I'll do it. And so I ended up applying for it, and I ended up getting it. And I'm so grateful. Honestly, like, I know that this is a tough economy, and lots of people would love to have my job, so please don't hear that I'm not grateful. But what I'm telling you is, like, I had plans. And the Lord had different plans. And, uh, but what I've realized, and bringing this back to talking about showing our faith, is you know what, guys? I work with so many people who never are going to come and sit here. They're never going to step inside the doors of a church. They just don't even know that they should. I am able to share things about Christ with people in the workplace that I would never be able to do if I was strictly working inside a building. And um, much to my chagrin, because I still honestly don't love IT, uh, this is where the Lord has placed me. This has been his call on my life, and seminary was his call on my life. He's a bit of a jokester. You know, why don't you go do five years of education, but we're not really going to use it like you thought. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced God has a, a total sense of humor, by the way. So anyways, I just want to encourage you guys to take a look at your own journey today and ask yourself, you know, where am I in this journey? Have I even entered into that covenant? Have I made that personal relationship? And am I responding to the call? Am I actually taking those steps? Am I doing something that, you know, is contributing to the kingdom of God? And not just that, guys, because I, I don't want you guys hearing me say that this is about, like, what you can do and what... It's about like who you can be in partnership with the Lord. When you do these things, I mean, my relationship with God has grown so much because I've had to step through these things. I've learned more about who he is and who he wants me to be, and none of those things wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have taken that step out. And so I encourage you guys, you know, take that step. Whatever that step is today in your journey, whatever that next thing is to move forward, Take it, you know? Doesn't matter how big or how small, but God has not called us into this covenant to remain stagnant, to, you know, have a, an unfulfilled, boring life. He wants a vibrant relationship with you. 
and he wants you to be part of this covenant, to be part of his chosen people. And so I encourage you on your journey today. I thank you for letting me be even just a tiny part of your journey by speaking to you here this morning. And uh, I'll just close us off with prayer. Lord, your word is so good and it's so true and it's so much better than anything we could ever think of. And even though we often have plans and, and you know, we think that maybe even by entering into relationship with you, that'll change our plans. Your plans are so much better. Lord, you know us in ways that we don't even know ourselves. And so I just ask for your blessing on this church this morning, on the people who are listening online, for the people sitting in these pews. Oh Lord, I just pray that their hearts are stirring right now, that you're bringing to mind things that they can do or think of or just the way that you want to speak to them so personally. And I give you thanks for this covenant, for being part of this larger church body. I don't know these people here, but Lord, we're all part of your family. And I give you thanks and praise for that and for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.